This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where right now you're going to find the best in produce and fruit. It is the best of the summer season at Zupan's. And I know that because I stop also at farm stands on the side. And those are good, but they can be a little inconsistent. I know when I go to Zupan's, I'm going to get the best possible fruit that they have there and produce. So their Mary Hill peaches are in right now. Oregon Star, seedless tomatoes, local corn, local berries, and more. So everything, if, if, if you've never been to the Zupan's produce section, you got to see it because it's, it's a work of art. Also, it's something we've been talking about for some time, Zupan's ready-to-heat meals. And if you're a sports fan, you know this very well. You've got basketball. You've got uh, baseball that has now started up. You've got uh, football maybe around the corner. So why not check out their new game day dinner, which features buffalo chicken wings, mac and cheese, seven-layer dip, uh, tortilla chips, and more. Uh, What I like about it is if you order by noon, you can have same-day pickup, so you don't have to think too far ahead. You can see the full menu of their ready-to-heat meals online at zupans.com. Yeah, and if you cheer for the food, you'll be the only one cheering when you watch baseball. Right. Because the stands aren't full. I tried mm-hmm. to watch an exhibition game the other day. It's weird. A little difficult. Yeah, it's weird. But, you know, just to make up for that, you can go to Zupans, and I highly recommend this. They're lobster and clam bake, and they only have limited numbers of dinners available, so you need to order pre-order those. Um, they are fantastic. They feature lobster tails, clams, wild shrimp, and kielbasa. The dates are July 25th, August 15th, August 29th, September 12th, and September 26th. Catch at least one of them. And I will tell you, we ordered that. They have different pairings for each one. So there's a different price point for different uh, for the different dates. Um, but we ordered one early on in the game back in, I believe, in May. And we got two full meals for two people out of that. So it's a lot of food and truly delicious and a treat, especially for those uh, of us who haven't been out to eat a lot. So we're not eating a lot of wonderful food generated at our beautiful restaurants. Here's, a, here's some great food you can take home and know that it's going to be fantastic. At Zupans, you can order online at Zupans.com. And then you'll just go pick it up at your local location, which is McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Oswego. All right, it's time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelis from Portland Food Adventures. Thank you, Court. It's good to hear that. You know, yeah. I haven't, I've been kind of quiet with Portland Food Adventures as we had to move all our trips from this year, 2020 to 2021. So, mm-hmm. word of note, we have some availability now to, we're, with both of our uh, Spain trips in both April and September into October of 2021 with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta and his wife, JL, uh, to do Basque Country. And that's a fantastic trip. And now we have a little more time to replan and put it together. So uh, everyone's invited to inquire about that at portlandfoodadventures.com. And also... 
in uh, September of 2021. We're doing Western Sicily with Austria Ensign. Um, and we've done Eastern Sicily before, and that was a fantastic trip we took with about 14 people. We have plenty of room for, what is it, 15 months from now or 14 months from now. That sounds right, yeah. To see uh, Palermo, Scopello, uh, Erice, Agrigento. Listen to me. I didn't know about this stuff until a couple of years ago, these places. And I've been there, and they're beautiful, totally worth the trip and it's a great time of year in Sicily to see that. So um, PortlandFoodAdventures.com, check out those trips. And I haven't fielded a call on those for a while. So I'd like to gauge people's interest in travel a year from now or even less than a year from now, see what's going on there. So thanks, Court. What's going on at kink.fm? Oh, uh, you know, just the usual. I broadcast my show from my house. I've uh, been doing it from my dining room. Pretty much every day, I've moved down into the uh, guest room. Now I get a little more, uh, the acoustics are just slightly better down here, which is actually where I'm currently sitting right now. Uh, the bad thing about that, though, is that the guest room obviously has a bed, and so uh, there might be afternoon naps happening while I'm doing, <laughs> doing a radio show. Yeah. You should be doing it. So, And you can automate some of that, right? So you can take a nap and no one sure. You know, you do a two or three song sweep, easy. Absolutely. So, yeah, we've been well, we've been home now for four or five months, right? Let me see, yeah. March, April, May, June, July. Yeah, five months. I like, you know, I don't mind it, and I it's given me the opportunity to, um, uh, you know, I'm in Manzanita, so there are oh, worse fair. places to be. And uh, you know, my dog Oakley just turned sixteen a couple of days ago. I so. saw that. I'm cherishing all the time I can spend with him. Mm -hmm. So um, he's doing well, man. He takes, he'll take a six mile walk with us. He's a little slow, right? but he does it. So I'm just pleased about that. So, um, but I am a little disconcerted. Uh, Tillamook County has done a fantastic job with the pandemic. I think for, we were holding steady at six cases till about a month ago or a month, six weeks ago. And now we're only up to 23, but now that they've, people are acting like there's no, there's nothing going on. And I'm seeing a lot of people on Lanita Avenue in Manzanita without masks. And, it, and then yesterday I was shopping in the grocery store here and a family of six without masks mm. in the grocery store. I just, I don't want to be that guy, right. but you know, instead of bitching at them, I bitched at the, at the, um, you know, at the, checkout guy to say is that really necessary that they have six people here i'm turning into that guy so <laughs> i think i think every single one of us in some way or another is turning into that guy or gal <laughs> yeah i guess so but we're both we're all becoming it's like didn't you get the memo didn't it doesn't occur to you that maybe all six of you don't need to go into the grocery store right now no i, I can't even remember a time where my and i'm, I'm a family of four where we've gone into yes. a store altogether because it is completely unnecessary for the four of us to go in. Right. And it's, it's actually more expensive because if your kids started saying, you know, talk oh, pointing yeah. to everything, it gets, you, you want as few people as possible. Sure. Yeah. So, and I, uh, so anyway, um, but you know, all else is going okay. Um, I suppose. And now that we're in the middle of summer, we're in the, the, the heart of summer we thought it would be a good 
idea to bring out uh, an episode from a year ago. And we're going to get back to some new episodes soon. Mm -hmm. But uh, this one that people may or may not have heard, or if they have heard it, it's always good to listen to it again with Chad Drazen of 50 Licks is a great one. He's one of the, uh, he's really a, a bright guy. He's got a scientific mind. We had him also on, you might want to check episode 41, well, before he opened that Burnside location, which really kind of put 50 licks on the map, um, right, you know, in the heart of it all on 28th and Burnside. Well, now he's opening another one on 23rd, Northwest 23rd. And he was talking about it a year ago in June when we had him on the podcast. And it's just, as I understand it, we have not asked him, but I've caught glimpses of Facebook posts mentioning that he's opening that up soon. So he'll soon have three locations. And, you know, we have a pretty good ice cream scene in Portland, Oregon, of all places. It's yeah. not a, um, you know, I never think of it as a really hot spot, but it gets a little warm in the summer. But people eat ice cream here around, you know, year round. And they're online at, at uh, places. And he talks about salt and straw and panolo, panolo gelato and some of the others as well. But uh, Chad has built his... Small from a little small shop on Clinton, right next to where uh, Jacqueline is right now, uh, to his great store on 28th, which is often uh, pretty crowded. And he makes some incredible flavors. He's a talented guy, and he's always fun to talk to. So uh, we thought we'd bring him back in the end of July for people to hear about what the journey for Chad of 50 Licks has been like. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Dupan's Markets, inspiring you with the best in food and wine. Local, family-owned Zupan's Markets provides a unique grocery shopping experience for Portland food lovers. Excellent products sourced locally and from around the globe with delicious chef-prepared meals for your convenience on West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Visit Zupans.com and sign up for your exclusive deals and promotional offers. I didn't get to really say hi. Thank you. Hi, how are you? How often do you get your hair cut? I did it, I do it myself. I did it like five minutes ago. Really? That yeah. makes it easy. Not five minutes ago, five minutes before I left the house. Okay. Mm -hmm. I need to get into that. That's it, where I need to go with my hairstyle. It's just one thing all the way up. Yeah. I used to have a real hairstyle, and my wife said that uh, it's time to let go of the hair. <laughs> well, I, I, for me, that was longer ago than yeah. that. You yeah. still got a, you got a hairline in front. I do. I used to have a little widow's peak, but it's missing now. So, mm -hmm. I like it, though. Thanks. I think I look all right. I got a good skull. <laughs> blessed with with a nice skull. I've never heard anybody decide based on. Yeah, I think it matters based on skull. Some and there are probably a lot a, of people who try bald, bald, and then find out they don't have a good skull. Yeah, but what are you going to do at that point? You just wait. You wait, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I once had a woman cut my hair, and when I didn't like it, she said, "Oh, it's hair; it grows back." And I said, "You're not the person I want cutting my hair." Right. <laughs> it's like if you could just excuse, like imagine if a customer came to us and got sick, and he was like, "Oh, you'll get better." Yeah, Don't exactly. Worry about it. Same thing. And there'll be other ice cream that yeah, you like. Yeah. This was just one. Don't sweat it. <laughs> exactly. Totally. So, um, thank you for coming in again. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. It's, it's it's been a while. What? It's been like five or six years. Probably. I yes, think, it yeah. has. I had just opened the first shop then. Right. And yeah, that was six years ago. Six years this summer. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. also you were um, 
Heather was the one who booked you, I believe, yes. or suggested. Well, I think the three of us all knew each other. So right, right. Yeah. But how you were working with Heather right. at the time. So right. that, but that the reason I say that was that would take it back to 2015 mm-hmm. at least. Oh yeah, I think it was. 2013 I mean, we can look or it up. It's a fact, by the way. Somebody knows. Although facts don't matter anymore. Somebody they, must know when we. You've been on a million times. Uh-huh. Everybody loves listening to you. Yeah. So it's been great. So, actually, what triggered, triggered two things. I'm going to bring. I'm going to ask you in a moment. We're going to talk about what triggered the the Facebook post that you put out there, which I thought sure. was really interesting and relevant. And it's nothing that a lot of people didn't know, but just you put it in really good words. But the other thing I wanted to start. With is you posted the other day that um, clam strips were the worst thing you could think of in terms of what they the way they sound. I saw it on a menu in a dive bar, and I couldn't just the word clam strips just was so unappealing to me in the context of this bar in this setting. Oh, okay, there <laughs> and, you go. Oh, okay, well, yeah. that had to do with that. So I thought it was interesting because a guy who's serving ice cream, yeah, would so for me. Ice cream and clam strips meant Howard Johnson's growing up. Oh, so, that's before my time. Yeah, it's before your time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought it was interesting. This guy, this gentleman serving great ice cream, is having a problem with clam strips because for me they kind of go together. Wow, you know, clam I strips and then yeah, I would have never made that association. I like clams. I don't have anything wrong with strips. It's just the words together didn't. Yeah, like some people okay. can't handle moist. moist. Really moist. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. You don't like if you think about it. Well, it depends. Kind of depends on what it's up against or what it's defining. Very few things should ever be described as moist. Hmm. Like moist cake. Yeah, I like a, cho- a moist chocolate cake. Sure. But then you think, where's that moisture coming from? And that's where the problem right. begins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've never. I, I got to think of. Some I don't of have a problem with moist, but it's a real word problem for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, oh mm-hmm. interesting. So let, let's have a whole podcast on word problems and getting sure. people over them. Yeah. What what can people, what'll turn people off from listening to this podcast? I was going to say, if, yeah. that's, if, that's if we want to go down that road. <laughs> right. Here's 45 minutes of words we that think you, you hate. hate. Yeah. Gonna be, there's going to be stuff people don't want to listen to anyway, <laughs> sure. so we may as well just go right there yeah. and go for the kill. But let me, um, let me call up the, I want you to, should I read it or I, should you? I think you? I have it on my phone. I got it. I just have to find uh, Google sh- uh, Docs. Oh, so, I'm not looking for sheets. I'm looking for Docs. Yeah, it shouldn't be in sheets unless you've like <laughs> no, somehow spreadsheeted not, it. It's not in sheets, but I copied it this morning, I think. The idea was, I don't know. I talk to so many people in so many different businesses. I, I get pretty regular emails and phone calls from people that are trying to start a food business and either they want some advice or they want to rent space and time in our kitchen. We don't have space or time in our kitchen. We are using it to the max, especially this time of year. But frequently, it'll be somebody who has a hobby or a home business, or they've got a great recipe for, I don't know what, kimchi or... Somebody told them it was good. Right. Three people told them it was good. And it probably is really good. Right. But I see people that are maybe starting a second career and have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And they don't even know what their parameters of success or failure are. So, and what we've all learned, and you hear like when you watch Shark Tank, mm-hmm. ideas are cheap and they're a dime, dime a dozen. And it's talent is close to that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting because that's the second aspect that 
you're saying doesn't necessarily matter until well, you put all these ingredients together. Talent for the product is great, but if there's nobody that's going to buy, if there aren't enough people going to buy the product, you want should we read it or should I describe? No, it? I think you should read it. Okay, because me... uh, it was perfectly, it was well written, and I think it wouldn't hurt. And uh, you may as well read it all because you spent time. Did you did this just flow off of your fingertips, or I did you spend gonna, time and edit it? Well, I thought it was going to be three sentences, and then I realized that I had to really clarify a little right. bit. So, I don't remember who in specific made me think of it, but um, all right. Small business startup tip: before you begin, you must number one. Work backwards. How much take-home money do you need to live off in a week, a year, a month? What is the minimum quantity of money that would make it worth that that, that would be worth it for you to work like a maniac for seventy-hour weeks for two years or ten, and grow cynical and probably bitter, perhaps toward the thing you love if you made the mistake to turn your hobby into a business? What is it worth to lose most of your friends because you're too busy to hang out? What is it worth to hurt relationships with your family, kids, partner? Got a number? The minimum number you'll need to survive, plus the minimum it's worth to take all those sacrifices. Got it? Good. How much product do you need to sell to earn that profit money? We're talking profit, after cost of goods, after overhead. How many customers will you need in a day to hit that number goal, that dollar goal? Is it reasonable for you to sell that much, uh, m- that much in a day? If not, don't start. You can't win. Uh, in order to sell this volume of product or service, does the business need to be bigger than you're comfortable managing? If so, don't start. You can't win. I- I'm going to interrupt. A lot of people, interrupt my, interrupt myself. A lot of people that I talk to want to run a garage-style hobby business, but you can't do it like that. It has to be a certain size. Otherwise, your overhead and your costs are always going to be ahead of you. You're going to be at the farmer's market every weekend begging people to try your thing and spending hours setting up and breaking down. And it's just like you can't get to a successful, comfortable place and have it be small. I'm I'm sure there's exceptions, but I haven't seen it done in the food industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Um, Number three, how many customers are there in your market, the city, the region, the world, if you're online. What share of that market do you think you'll capture? Got a number? You're wrong. There are less people in that market. Will everyone in your share of the market buy from you once a year, once a week, once a lifetime? Are there realistically enough people to buy all this stuff or service? Whatever you're thinking, you're wrong. You need twice as many customers as you think. If there aren't twice as many uh, possible cu- uh, possible customers to buy the amount of product or service you're offering to hit the bare minimum of how much money you need to make it worthwhile, section one, don't start. You can't win. Realistically, if there's no way you can sell enough product a day to hit your profit number, don't start. You can't win. If you say you're not in it for the money, so you think this doesn't apply to you, you will be miserable and trapped in this business, and you will regret deep in your soul your decision to start this business in the first place. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. The rest of it is a note to a friend of mine who's the editor of Entrepreneur Magazine. I don't know how that got in there, but yes. So, um, anybody reading that, I would generally think that if they took all of that to heart, 98% of people would say, I'm not going to, okay, if he's right, I'm not going to do that. And you have some experience to know this. I mean, let's talk a little bit. So not everybody knows the history of 50 Lit. Sure. I started the business uh, 10 years ago, uh, next month, uh, was when we sold our first scoop of ice cream. I had no idea what I was doing besides understanding how to make great ice cream. Um, 
And you have a science background. Well, I'm too. a science nerd. I don't really have any kind of degree or anything in it, but I used to be a brewer and I went to brewing school and I learned a ton of uh, food science there. And I uh, learned a lot how to, materials handling process, how to make a craft product at a commercial scale. And I use that every day, that knowledge. Um, but um, I lost my train of thought. We were You're talking about starting 50 licks with no knowledge. Oh, right. And- so I had a little bit of money saved up and I knew I would have to, I wanted to grow the business organically so I wouldn't waste all the money all up front. Um, and I can grow incrementally. And I found that at every increment I grew to, it wasn't enough. It was, I was always losing money. I had to continue growing, growing gradually, gradually, very slowly. And it was hard. It was, I felt so alone for so much of it. You know, I had seasonal employees that would work in the summer and then leave. And I was the only person I felt that cared. I was the only person on my team that was a real team member um, for years, for years and years. And then Salt and Straw uh, uh, started a few years in and that was, they were kind of a runaway train and that was a challenge. Um, By the way, you didn't mention any of that. Yeah. In that, in that initial About competition? That competition. Yeah. I mean, I, I really wanted to just make that from the bare bones, like work backwards. Right. How much money do you want to make out of this? Is that possible? Is that possible at the size of the business that you're comfortable running? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to run a big business. I didn't really want to run a big business. Mm-hmm. We have about 40 employees right now because it's the summertime. And how many do you have? We have two, two shops. Stars, two we have a relatively new truck up in Northwest on 24th and Thurman. Um, and then I have the other truck that does events and catering. And so you're, uh, and, and our you're, production facility. And as while well. we're at it, we may as well mention. So one of your shops is like at the apex of Portland, twenty um, eighth and Burnside. Oh, it's such a good location. Yeah, it's like the, <laughs> when you opened that, that was awesome. That changed Just, my life. Yeah, exactly. It, my life was constant money fear and constant worries about everything and paucity <laughs> I was broke so when you opened your Clinton Street so mm-hmm. it's Clinton and what is Clinton in between 20th and 21st right okay yeah. so and St. Jack was there mm-hmm. so you had a natural for an ice cream shop there are a lot of people who would eat great meal at St. Jack and mm-hmm. then had a great reputation and then come over and have ice cream and then the next thing you know yeah and Vindaloo was gone. across the street right. and they Vindaloo. went out of business before we opened right and then a sushi pl- it, it was a disaster we were the only lights on on the street we do most of our business, like 80% of our business after 7 p.m. Mm. We're the after-dinner crowd. We're the date-night crowd. And to have all those restaurants go out at the same time was murder. Um, and you're watching when that happened. I remember this because you were on yeah. the podcast. At the time. Salt and Straw's opening, and they're, you know, and I was trying to, Ruth hitting home runs out of the park. Constantly. I was trying to keep it together on the podcast last time, and I'm trying to keep on a happy face, but that was one of the darkest times of my life. Um, just recently before that, Kind of all the staff quit at once, and I found myself for a week being the only employee in the shop, Mm. working double shifts seven days, opening, closing, mopping the floors, just not having any time to even interview anybody and just being exhausted. And, you know, I would go to to work before my wife woke up, and I would come home, and she was asleep, and we weren't married at the time, and it put a huge strain on our relationship, and she didn't know how to be supportive of me in the right way. And there's no no real finite... uh light at the end of the tunnel there wasn't i really i really believed that the whole thing would fail and little by little we started to earn more customers and then restaurants started moving in on the block and we became part of people's lives we i've watched i've watched people 
young kids that were children, like young children when they started eating at 50 Licks, coming back and graduating high school and going off to college. And I can't believe it. It blows my mind. It makes me so happy when I see that kind of thing, that we're part of people's lives. But anyway, it was a long, long, slow, slow crawl. And What that, kept you going through all that? I had no alternative. What was I going to do? I owed all this money to, you know, to, to, to bank loans for equipment and, and credit card debt and everything. But I mean, there's a possibility you're just going to accrue more debt and get in deeper yeah, at that point in I, time. Okay. The thing is, I'm pretty much unemployable. <laughs> I have a really, really crazy, intense ADHD, and it makes me good. It's a huge benefit in certain things, creative problem solving, ability to make connections, between different ideas, um, ability to see the big picture and understand things on a, on a different level. Um, but it does not make me very good at being detail oriented and working a regular job. You make a couple of mistakes. That's and all you're you out were in there. the beginning was a lot of details. Well, I'm terrible. The office stuff and the detail stuff is the stuff that I'm the worst at. And fortunately I am just so grateful that I have an incredible team right now that is help, helping me with those You details. had to get through this whole period where you were relying on yourself to do the stuff it, that you weren't great at yeah. to grow. And usually, at least for me, like the stuff that I'm not good at generally takes up 85% of my time because I'm bad at it, so it takes forever. <laughs> and so that winds up being most of the day's work is the, is the stuff that I don't, I'm not good at. I have a woman that- And it accrues because you don't want to do it, so you procrastinate yeah. it. Yeah. And then it becomes a bigger problem. Or I screw it up. And I have a woman this morning who's texting me because we're doing an event at a winery and they need insurance paperwork and our health license and all this paperwork emailed to her. That might be two seconds for somebody who's good at that kind of thing, but that'll take me four days to find all those papers well, and send them to a, her. But it's another day of stressing about doing it. Exactly. I find you stress about the things you really stress about sometimes take, when you finally yeah. do it, it's five, three minutes and it's off the plate. Yeah. And so it takes somebody emailing me or texting me to nag me like, hey, could you just sit down for five seconds right. and send me this damn You're not alone, email? I don't think. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, um. I drove by that spot on 28th and Burnside. And I'd said for years that that is like one of the best locations in the city. And then if I ever see it available, I'm snatching it. And my wife spotted the furly sign in the window and she's like, pull over right now. I'm like, oh, I'll call when I got. She's like, no, pull over. We're calling them. An hour later, I had a lease in my hand and wow. I had no idea how we were going to be able to afford the build out, but I realized that we didn't have any choice. We couldn't just be having another year of breaking even you know, me taking home barely anything <laughs> to live on. Um, and then that location kind of just exploded once we had it open. And you're dealing with a product. I remember seeing some of your frustrations when you were doing deliveries or transporting. It would melt. Oh, my God. Uh, your car. Then it wasn't because anything other than your car broke down. Or, or something. I mean, yeah. here's a, here's a, <clears throat> last week we were having a real serious negotiation with our dairy over a new product. Um, we had meetings back and forth in the middle of this. I get a call that our main walk-in freezer has broken down. So I go into the wolf from uh, Pulp Fiction mode, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, tell me everything that's happening, you know, and, and I, I've got the, I've got the freezer repair guy coming. We're trying to coordinate having a temporary freezer trailer delivered to our kitchen so that we can rescue all of our ice cream and we're coordinating everything. We're running with ice cream from the kitchen. I've got teams of people making trips with the delivery van and the ice cream truck to the shops and to all these freezers to try to put everything somewhere before it all melts. 
And, you know, the freezer repair guy stayed till midnight and it took three days, but we got it fixed and we didn't lose any ice cream. But it was just, I was really proud because our team worked together. Like, it, it was just incredible, the coordination and, and everything that it took. But when it was all done, I like all that emotion that I was holding in between the earlier week negotiation and all this, I just kind of like, <gasps> it was such a release when, when it was all fixed. But that kind of stuff happens all the time. And now it, it appears you have a team you can rely on. Who cares? It's amazing. Because in the beginning, you didn't have that. I didn't have that. So. And I had a lot of people that I felt like were on somebody else's team. Um, wow. But in the last two years, it's just been fantastic. If I, I trust everybody to the utmost. My kitchen team is totally on point. It used to be that I would either come up with all the concepts of the flavors or be very heavily involved in uh, the recipe development. And these guys know the 50 Lick style. They understand all the stuff about ice cream that I do. And every time I taste a new flavor, it just blows me away more than the previous one. Right. So, and when did that happen? Because in the beginning, it was all you. Yeah. And so you're tasting your own flavors. And sometimes we're not as good a judge of our own Perhaps. things and yeah. as we could. And also, now, I've learned a lot in the last 10 years as well. Mm-hmm. and had a lot of experience. I, I don't want to throw any former staff members under the bus, but um, we've... We've had some egos involved. Uh, we've had some personality conflicts. We've had very talented people, but now we have just the right combination of people with skill and people who appreciate being on this team and are proud to be a part of it. And are you at the stage now where you're a little more successful so that you can afford to pay those people to be... We're paying them more and more every day, and all the extra revenue that comes in goes to paying off debts and increasing staff salary. Um, right. That's definitely, so and that's probably part of it as well. It's a chicken and the egg it's, yeah, part of the situation. Right, too. Exactly. You get more loyalty and better staff when you have more resources. But so. I also think that, I think that the staff appreciates being in a place that's respected, that's well-loved. They see the cash is coming in and they're not worried that it's going to go out of business um, and is better organized. We are a much smoother machine. It's taken me years to just to come up with stupid things like, Let's say we have a 200 person minimum, just for example, because it's a real example, uh, 200 serving minimum for a weekend summer catering event. And somebody comes to me with their wedding, it's 120 people. I just last month came up with the idea of putting them on a wait list. (laughs) I hadn't even thought of that until last month. It's such a simple thing, but like, oh yeah, I, I can't guarantee you the day, but a week before we'll call you and see if you're still interested and and we can we can break our minimum in that case. How does someone plan that way? I don't know. Can't wait. I don't know. I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we get we get last minute. I got an event last week. Monday they called me up. It was a Nike event. They wanted to have me out for a hundred servings on Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I get a phone call at eight a.m. Hey, there's going to be more people than we anticipated. Well, how many more? I don't know. Maybe 200? More? So, no, uh, uh, double. It. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? I better not just send my my uh, uh, events staff there, my one guy, Seth. Uh, I'm going to just join him just to see. We did 709 scoops of ice cream wow. that afternoon. <laughs> and I'm so glad I was there. But like, yeah, stuff happens last minute and it's good for us to be flexible. We try to be as, you know, as good with our clients as we can. But we do have to make sure that the weekends, we've got, we've got 12 Saturdays and 12 Sundays. We make a lot of money in the summer but we lose a lot of money in the winter. Every month, nine months of the year are a net loss. 
So we have to hope that we stack up enough cash in the summer to make it through the winter. Um, and we don't know what that number is going to be. It's all about the weather. But you have a general idea after so many years. After so many years, but like this winter, we lost 40,000 more than we lost last winter. So that's a big number. That's a lot to lose. That's a big number. Yeah. Especially, you know, if it had been early on and you don't, you're, everything's just flowing out, melting out the door. Yes, but our, our costs were lower then. We mm -hmm. didn't have rent in three places. We didn't have 40 staff members. Right. We didn't have, you know, all of that stuff. 40 is very impressive. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of part-time, like college students and stuff scooping in the shop. We've got three people in the kitchen. I have a GM for the, uh, for the shops. Uh, I have a delivery driver. I have myself. I have some assistant managers. I have. I just hired somebody to help me out in the office, which is so necessary. Um, That's great. So, yeah. what uh, if you don't mind me asking? Because it's uh, I growing up, mm -hmm. my uh, the girls I was hanging out with used to work at Baskin Robbins, mm -hmm. and I remember specifically they were making. And this is just an obvious time timeline thing, but so this would have been in the seventies, mid seventies, a right. dollar eighty five an hour. Scoop ice cream. Where, well, where min are we now? minimum wage is about to hit uh, twelve fifty right. uh, in July. Right now, it's twelve dollars an hour, but we give raises to people every year that they've been working with us. Um, and and tips, tips are, are probably pretty good. Tips are crazy. They can be twenty five dollars an hour in the summer. Um, I feel bad because my GM isn't legally allowed to take a share of the tips right. unless he works solo. He can take you know the cash tips. Right. Um, and I feel I pay him a lot, but I think that most of the staff pay, makes more than him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that happened with, uh, we just had Scott Dolich on the podcast. That mm -hmm. was a problem for Park Kitchen. Same thing. Yeah. The GM would fill in and wait tables. I and, remember the news story about yeah, it. Yeah. So, um, so you, and you're always, you're, you're navigating a lot of hurdles. Right. Too, that you have to overcome. Well, like for instance, that Nike event, um, my, my uh, events guy, Seth, made like $800 in gratuity for those four hours that we scooped the Nike thing because I couldn't take a share and I was very happy to give it to him. He definitely earned it right. and he made rent from a few hours worth of work. But yeah, it's... Um, so let me just ask, this is off on a tangent. I'm yeah. curious because <clears throat> I've actually identified all the episodes on Kerber that Enthusiasm that, I, that have tip problem you know larry mm -hmm. david with tips yeah and i feel that way the reason i've done that is like you know i for me to get served at a, a bakery and mm -hmm. have someone hand me a bag with two pastries in it and i'm now you know pastries are now four dollars a piece two in there am i supposed to leave a two dollar tip for that or a dollar even a dollar that's yeah, 25 you, cents on handing a I thing i know exactly i feel you i so feel you so um, so I'm just going to ask the, mm -hmm. the food cart operators yeah. who are owner operators, can they have a tip jar there and keep the tip? If they don't have anybody working with them. Oh, if, if they're they the only ones. If, okay. you're the, if, you're the, if you're the only person working during that shift and you're the owner, you're allowed to take the tips. Okay. But if it's, and I'm not a lawyer, so, <laughs> but yeah, this no. is the best of my understanding. <laughs> don't I anybody uh, cite Chad or the podcast. I'm not taking any tips from any staff myself at all, and neither is our, our, our management team. But if you show up and you're the only one there that day, can yes. you, take, you can take yes. tips. Yes, if I cater, I just catered a movie shoot um, on Friday, and I will be taking the tips from that event, yes. 
Do you ever, are you ever um, tempted to say, no, you don't go, I, I, I got this one, just I, because you need that, <laughs> you wouldn't mind taking the 400, 500 I bucks? I don't do that. <laughs> we had an, a, a situation last summer where it was definitely a two-person event, and one staff person told the other person, oh, I got this, you don't have to show up, because he wanted to take the double share <laughs> of the tips. It's like, when it's a lot of money, it can be really competitive, and that was definitely right. not okay at all. <laughs> But, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's something you have to prevent against because it, mm-hmm. it's only natural for someone to think they can do it all. Right. And, right. Uh, I can just work extra hard. But like, no, our clients come first. They need to be served quickly. Yeah. When they have a catering event, they're paying us to be there, and that's our job. Right. So where do you get all this business, the catering business? It just happens? It's kind of mostly word of mouth now. Wow. It's kind of, I mean, people will, people will Google, well, the weddings, it's either word of mouth or they've been to somebody else's wedding where they had it. With the corporate stuff, a lot of times it's somebody that's an office manager that's like, oh, we're having our company barbecue. We should have an ice cream truck. And then they'll Google ice cream trucks Portland. They see a picture of ours. They go to our website. They submit the form. A lot of those have never had our ice cream before. Like the movie shoot the other day, we've been on so many movie and TV shoots that it's all the same crew working on all these different, different oh, so shoots. So they know your flavors. So they've, now, yeah, like, they've yeah, been in and, you know, they, you know, they, 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 ask for us by name because they've had us at another shoot or they come into the ice cream shop. Are, are people who, you know, I guess it's largely corporations or doing weddings or something, are they shopping all the ice cream places and pitting and getting bids and, you know, it comes down to dollars and cents at that I haven't point? heard much about that. I was just curious about I haven't that. heard much about that. I, I think that we're the only ice cream place that shows up with a truck you know, I know Ruby Jewel has like a, a push cart kind of thing. Vinolo Gelato has a beautiful, beautiful uh, really gelato cool. yeah. bicycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't heard a lot of people that have mentioned competitors and saying, okay, we're weighing our options between you two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. I've They've asked me for recommendations when we're booked um, and I've given them, but I don't really know too much how the other people do their operations for catering. And so if you had to, because mm-hmm. you probably... Why would someone want 50 licks at their event over some pretty solid competitors in Portland? We've got a pretty crazy ice cream scene here. You mentioned a couple of, you mentioned all of them so far. Okay, well, I don't have anything to say then. <laughs> no, no, you mentioned those folks. But oh, those why folks. should they, what's, you know, what's the, what's the elevator speech for uh, 50 licks? Well, for one, for a wedding is our truck is adorable. At an, at an event. It's a vintage 1977 truck. We painted it like baby blue and it was hand sign painted by this famous sign painter from Seattle named Sean Barton. Mm-hmm. We've had people come up and ask, did Sean Barton paint this truck? And I feel really proud because I, I didn't know who he was until I hired him, but it's great. Now you really do. Um, so it looks, it makes a great presentation. The other thing is we have a mixture of flavors that are classic and also innovative, but nothing's like weird for the sake of novelty. Everything's just delicious um the response that i get a lot and that is the one that we're going for is holy shit i want people to take a taste and say holy shit and it happens very often you gotta have that flavor yeah that's that wouldn't work that would be the wild card do you want the holy shit today see this is why i'm in charge of marketing because that couldn't be up on the name on the menu (laughs) (laughs) um uh 
Let's see, why else would they hire us for an event? Um, that's a, those are good, very those good, are good reasons. Yeah, yeah, you're good looking. Yeah, <laughs> the whole team is great looking. Is that is that a criteria? No, do I'm you just, take that into account? No, no, no. I was kind of being. What facetious. if someone? So listen. Yeah, this is a, a fair question. I think the, the appearance matters. Mm-hmm. They're scooping. They're pleasant people. What if someone is just uh, really unattractive? And can you not, you you don't have to cite that reason, I suppose. (laughs) Well, it would be illegal. I don't know if it would be illegal if we did, but it would certainly be bad form. Right. But But I'm just talking about, you know, not appealing to look at with ice cream. Right. That's not something that we take into consideration. Okay. It's it's about your resume. You're on record as saying it. It's absolutely the truth. Beautiful. Now, let's turn the mics off. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. Well, I'm just curious because, you know, my ice cream is such a pleasant thing. And so everybody has to be pleasant too. It is. And it is. And I have a different approach to customer service than I think a lot of other places do. I haven't worked in a lot of restaurants. I worked in a sandwich shop when I was in college and that's kind of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I came into this industry as an outsider. um, And I guess I kind of still am. But the way I see it is when you have respect for the people that are, you're, that are serving you, you're going to have respect for the food and the experience. If you're coming in and treating everybody like trash, you're not going to have a lot of regard for for the experience after you've walked out. So when I do my training with my staff on customer service, I impress upon them that they are hosts and not servants. A servant, you tell what to do. A host is going to guide you through, welcome them to your home and guide you through the process. I don't ever want my customers to feel stupid, not know where they're supposed to stand, not know what part of the menu they should look at first. We spend a lot of time like engineering the flow of the second shop and the way the menu board works based on what we learned from the first shop because I think we kind of failed on in a lot of ways in that first shop in the in the layout. But the idea that we are hosts and we hold ourselves with pride and we're proud to welcome our guests into our home is very important. And I think that the customer's Number one, they don't want to boss anybody around. They don't know what we have to offer. We, it's our job to guide them through the whole process. And you have, a, you have an excellent opportunity to do that because it's ice cream and they're sampling. Yeah, you, A lot exactly. of people go into restaurants and you don't, they don't have that opportunity. Right, or the vocabulary on the menu. They've got to Google what a, you know, what a parsnip is or whatever. Right. Um, although we probably have some vocab words on our menu too from time to right, time. Right, but you don't even almost have to worry about that because if someone says, what's a parsnip? You, well, you can taste this. it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, my bubby always cooked with parsnips. She put in her vegetable soup. And just thinking of that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everybody can say, will say that. You can say that. You can represent that. But oh, not yeah, yeah. Right. And, not, and, and, so, and so part of being a good host is I want all of the staff to bring their real personalities to the shop. Not everybody is a super smiley person all the time, but I want everybody to be genuine. I want everybody to be warm and I want everybody to be welcoming. And so we tend to, we not tend to, we deliberately hire people with warm, genuine, real personalities who can greet a customer coming in like they're an old friend. I think that is as important as the flavor of your, as your taste of your ice cream. I think so too. Because, because if someone ex- has a sullen person, they're going to not, they're going to think, ah. Like p- people aren't coming to our place for ice cream. They're coming because they're out with their friends. It's somebody's birthday. They're on a date. They just had dinner. They want to keep talking and they want to come in. They're there for a fun experience. Ice cream is like an excuse for the fun experience, Mm -hmm. but they're there to have a really good time. So we try to make everything that they encounter um, 
support that. You know, the lighting isn't harsh and bright and glaring and the music is fun and interesting. And the staff that works there are real human people that are interesting people outside of work. What about lines? We do our best. We scoop our asses off, man. <laughs> we scoop our asses off. But I guess there's some, there's some kind of, there's something for some people, mm-hmm. not everybody, mm-hmm. that's fun about a line. I mean, I uh, feel you. Know, well, well, take Franklin Barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just there a few months ago. Right, three hours, three four hours. It was cold. It was so cold. But people make a <laughs> people make a whole event out of that. Yeah, and that's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I, like a, I'll give you an example from from Portland. Um, I lived here from '02 to '04, and I vowed I would move back, and I did in '08. Um, but I visited in 2006, and Le Pigeon had just opened, and I was staying at the Jupiter Hotel next door. Mm-hmm. And I went in by myself for a meal, and I sat at the counter, and it was over 100 degrees that day, and I don't think they have air conditioning in there, and it was crazy hot, crazy crazy hot. And everybody that was eating was like sweating, but I looked around and everybody was enjoying themselves. And I feel like having to suffer for it a little bit made the reward a little bit more rewarding. Mm-hmm. And it was just a magical meal that well, we plus earned. If everybody's in the same boat, even. And then you look at the cooking mm-hmm. in that. It's one oh, thing to be eating; it's yeah. another thing to be cooking. Yeah, and you watch him behind the counter sweating, hopefully not into the food. You know? Yeah, well, they got that covered. That's yeah. what the, that's what towels are for. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a it's real a memorable salty. experience. It's a little salty tonight, I think. A little salty, right? Than usual. Oh, it's, it complements the sea bass or whatever. Right, they, exactly. they wouldn't serve sea bass. Yeah. So um, I didn't. I didn't. By saying that, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think oh, you're no. on your on your way somewhere. So um, why don't you? Because not everybody's been there, but soon they will have been. Um, a couple of your favorite flavors. Oh at, man. Right we now, usually talk about food on the podcast, but your flavors are so wonderful. If I were put on the spot, yeah. I would be, I'm always bad at remembering actual names. Yeah. Plus you don't flavors. live in Portland for half of the time. So yeah, well, yeah. no, but that's true. But I, I have been to 50 licks, mm-hmm. um, quite a few times. I actually have to apologize. I was on my way there last weekend and then Tusk showed up on our radar. Uh-huh. We wanted someplace to sit and right. I assumed there might be a line. You have a lot of lines now at 50 Licks? In the summertime, we have lines. I'm so happy for you. Especially weekends, we have lines. Because when you were on here last time, it was like I felt like crying for you because Saltstraw always had lines down the street and you were just like, can we get people in here now? In those years, I would close up the shop by myself having worked a double shift (laughs) and and I would drive past the salt and straw with the lines back to my oh one God, bedroom apartment. Oh that has to be the most painful thing. And I just decided that I was going to start taking a different route. I would drive a little out of the way so I wouldn't have to go through that. And I don't begrudge them for their success. They've earned that success. And, you know, but they, yes, it's painful. For but you. it's, it's tough. It's tough, <laughs> you know, but I, but it must feel good. Now you've got some it lines. It's and, not all the time, but what I, lines. what I hear from my customers and I'm so, so proud of this is that we're the place that people in Portland, in the no-go. When I see chefs in our line, it makes me so happy. Yeah, that's, And I see them bringing their kids in, it makes me so happy. That's like uh, in New Haven, mm-hmm. pizza. Peppies, get, Peppies and Sally's get all the national, you know, people, the tourists are there. Mm-hmm. Modern pizza. Modern pizza is a the solid jam. line full of people who are from New Haven. Yeah. And same thing, same thing here. But I mean, Salt and Straw has a lot of... Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of and locals. they make great stuff. Yeah. And I... 
honestly, Pinola Gelato should get a lot of that line too. Though, just he's. Just I was going to say that I didn't want to keep bringing up competitors, but no. I, like if you're on division, oh yeah. my god, you and waiting online over there, two you blocks gotta, over, and it's just spectacular. I, it's a different product than what we make and what Salt and Straw makes, so right. it's kind of hard to compare. But it's this beautiful light flavor that just. It's a pure, pure flavor. It just sits on your tongue and then it melts away into nothing very quickly. I, I am so happy you said that because yeah. I didn't want to say it on your podcast. Oh, you're, but, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> but it is Portland and this is where we do this sort of thing. Yeah. So, well, it, community, not competition, right? Hashtag. Right. Right. Little, little uh, Nate Snell exactly. over there at Pips. Exactly. Um, so, um, uh, do you do you promote some of the other? I have definitely on our <laughs> social media. I mean, I, I had a. Um, do you go? To other ice cream places? Yeah. Do you go off? I don't have time. I don't eat a lot of ice cream because it's like work, you know? Right. Um, every time I taste our ice cream, I'm like, this is good. <laughs> I'll usually eat a But scoop. don't you need to try some others I do, sometime? To- I do. I will say like, like, I'm sure you're probably going to want to bring it up, the, the little bean um, place. Well, he was like, yeah, he introduced it on this podcast. He, he That's great. It was the first time anybody had ever heard of it. Yeah, he was our neighbor in our building where our production kitchen is. Uh, He rented it temporarily when they were doing the R&D over there. That's Micah Camden. Yeah, Micah um, and and, uh, Jason were working on the the R&D end of it. Um, But I still haven't been over there to have a taste of it. My wife and I are like, we should go. Yeah, we should go. But she owns a business and I own a business and there just isn't. We don't really eat out that much. It's just we're working all the time. So there isn't a lot of time to try every new place that opens. Are you going to... Do you have in the horizon and in, in your sights the opportunity to go out and enjoy this food scene that you're participating in? It's starting to happen a little bit. It's starting to happen. I, as I said, I have this amazing team in place, which allows me to have like something that resembles a weekend from time to time, and it's just really nice. Well, that's it's gr- great. I haven't and had that in travel. years. A little bit. Of, so yeah, you can go, go out have for some the gelato weekend. in Italy would be nice. Well, that I would love to be able to take. Two weeks off. We'll see. How you don't need going. two weeks to go. Yeah, I guess that's true. You can do it in a lot less. Yeah, I got to wait for you to do that. But um, I interrupted you. You were talking about your flavors specifically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right now, I just can't eat enough of this soy sauce caramel that we made. It's basically like a salted caramel with some richer, deeper kind of flavors. You know, mm-hmm. umami. Yeah. Um, uh, horchata is killer. What uh, is that? So we've been making this Thai rice ice cream where we take jasmine rice and we uh, infuse uh, pandan leaves into the rice when we cook it and we blend it all up uh, and make this beautiful Thai rice ice cream with milk, sugar, and cream. Um, the horchata is the Mexican drink. You know, it's basically rice milk with with cinnamon and sugar. Uh, so we take the take the Thai rice and we just added a little vanilla and some cinnamon to it and it totally takes it in a very different direction. It's very like simple and delicious and like every kid likes it and i've been eating a lot of it lately um we've been getting into a lot of non-dairy flavors lately um mainly because is that because the market calls the market for is like going it? there i i like it a lot i we've had when, we, when we're when we're giving people f- flavors to sample if we can tell that somebody isn't vegan and they're not going to trust something that's non-dairy we'll just give them samples of the non-dairy stuff and they never know that it's non-dairy. Interesting. Um, I see the market going there. I'm also immensely concerned about the the future of the planet and our ecology, and and the welfare of the animals. Um, and we do a we vet that to some extent. There's not so much that we can find out. I'm actually awaiting some more information from my dairy about the animal treatment 
aspect of things. But our planet just can't take this much. I look at the volume of milk and cream and egg yolks that we order, and it's astounding. And then you think about the huge fields of either grain or grass to, to feed those cows, the water that's involved. How do you get rid of their waste? Um, it's just it's just enormous. And I we do a lot to be to minimize our, our impact on the planet as possible. All of our spoons have been dispo- have been you know metal reusable spoons from day one and our tasting spoons. And we last year we switched over to wooden tasting spoons that are like from farmed birch trees and our to-go cups are all pulp paper so there's nothing plastic lining or anything like that. They can even if somebody litters they'll just turn into into mulch in a few days. Um, but the dairy oh and our power comes from reusable solar and wind or whatever probably wind but the dairy is the biggest aspect um and i see the trend every phone call i get from a customer probably 60 percent of them are asking what our vegan flavors are or if we have vegan ice cream so it's going that way so we can be viable so when you started this did you get any of those requests yeah it was portland and i knew we would have those and we started with percent Oh, well, those, those are people, calls. Calls. Those are people yeah, that those call. Those are people that are calling, right? Right now, I, I I'd have to look at the revenue. Our third people aren't calling and saying, "Is your straw? Do you have strawberry?" No, they're not it's, calling that, yeah. and they're not calling and say, "Do you have chocolate?" Right, no. exactly. <laughs> so, as far as flavors go, like chocolate's always going to be the number one flavor. Um, and number You're two, bur- and f- what's the bourbon? Uh, the butterscotch whiskey. But, yeah, butterscotch whiskey. So yeah, it's a scotch. We that just one put has, stands in my mind. Obviously, the name didn't, but we're discontinuing it. Okay. OLCC is starting to give us trouble about it. They want us to be really vigilant in policing that people don't walk out with it because you're not allowed to have alcohol to go. So there if I go. put something in a cone, somebody, and I ask them, are you going to stay in? They say yes. They walk across the street. OLCC finds 50 licks and also the person that's scooping the ice cream personally. Uh, at this point, I don't think the liability is worth yeah, it. Yeah, no. You, you can't do that. I it, wonder if you can replicate the flavor without the alcohol. Yeah, I don't, I don't, that just doesn't seem right to fake scotch flavor or to burn the alcohol off. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it. If we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. You know, I, it just doesn't feel like I a chat thing. I thought it was thing. good. I liked when it got I love it too. pretty melty. And yeah. It was, I, I like all my ice cream. What percentage of people like it? I, I'll take it out of the freezer yeah. and let it sit there for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I do 15 seconds in the microwave. We'll soften yeah, it. Yeah, I don't have a microwave anymore, so oh. I got a little bit. That For me, it was ice cream and butter. That's yeah. it. But um, So what percentage of people like it rock hard versus? I don't know. I don't know. We try to scoop don't, it at a proper temperature. Okay, so you have a So it holds together, but it's, you know, and we have freezers of two different temperatures because each, the sugar content and salt content and a few other formulation things will affect the freezing point. So we need to have those two freezers at different points in order to keep it always at the proper scooping temperature. But I've noticed a lot of ice cream shops because mm-hmm. um, I've ordered my share yeah. of it. In the, but the, the the consistency is or the temperature is inconsistent at best. You know, mm-hmm. but sometimes they'll put the wrong flavor on the bottom and it gets. Yeah, bad. I mean that's that's a result of like the sugar content. Like right now, this soy sauce with caramel is one of the meltier flavors because the salt from the soy sauce acts like road salt and melts the ice cream. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think you want to describe it that way. Oh, uh, you, maybe you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> the, road, the road salt. Yeah. Um, you know, and here's, here's the other thing. Sometimes you mentioned wacky, crazy 
mm-hmm. flavors like novelty before. kind of flavors. novelty flavors, yeah. and you have to figure out where that line is it's because a, I would think that some of the ones you mentioned for a lot of people are a little pretty crazy. But it's once you taste it, right? Once you taste but you have it, to, that's why it's important. It's in a shop. Yeah. So if if you're at a grocer and you're looking in the freezer, that's a different. Absolutely, that's a very different thing. And so I, you know, I have my favorite Ben and Jerry's Which one? flavors. Oh, fish food. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. That's like a lot of the icky, gooey, sticky stuff. Yeah, it's got, well, it's just real excellent chocolate with mm-hmm. chocolate uh, chunks, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like candy bar kind of chocolate in there. Yeah. With a little marshmallow. And, oh, man, I, I just feel like that's a winner every time. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can't, you can't beat that. And it's just, it's, not simple, but it is simple because it's based on basic chocolate. Yeah, and then it's I like candy the cherry stuff. Garcia. Cherry Garcia. Oh, cherry ice cream in general is so good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I'm sure you do pretty well with cherries around here. We haven't done it. We've done any cherry ice creams in a while. They're not a big seller. Really? Yeah, they're not a big seller. Um, our strawberry is crazy. We just keep buying more and more strawberries from this farm. Every year we buy more. We just bought. How long can you keep the strawberries around? Because right now, or last week, yes, the yeah, the I bought strawberries. I had. I don't remember having them that good. They're good. No, they're great. They're, it's the kind of thing where every year you forget. Oh my god, these are the best. Yeah, the first week of the season was okay, and yeah. then you're right. Last week was amazing. We bought yeah. like fifteen hundred pounds last week. Um, and how long can you just do you freeze? We we get them. The actually the strawberry farmers. They pick them and freeze them that day. We oh. get them from South Barlow Farms. So they pick them and freeze them that day. We tell them how much we want to pick up for the year. And then every couple of weeks, like, all right, we're coming over to pick up another thousand pounds. And, you know, either me or somebody else drives the van over to the farm. It's a lovely drive. And we load it all in. Then we take it back to the kitchen. We thaw those strawberries. We puree them and add sugar. The sugar preserves them because it lowers the water activity in the strawberries. So, you know... It also helps prevent ox- oxidation, and then we refreeze those, and then we thaw them as we need them through the year. It's not like we have to worry about frozen berries aren't going to have their texture because they're pureed anyway, so that's, it doesn't really matter. To me, mm-hmm. that sounds like a lot to do, and that's just one flavor. Oh, that's and an one easy aspect. flavor. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying you have to plan that for a lot of different flavors yeah. and a lot of storage, and you know, and there's got to be a lot of planning. Is there a software program that no, handles all there this isn't. For you? Our kitchen staff are awesome. They're all pastry chefs. Um, and bakers, and they're just kind of used to that. I, we got some insanely good peaches, peaches from Trevor Baird a few years ago, and it took us forever to peel those peaches. And I really want to do it again, but I don't want the kitchen to be mad at me. <laughs> they were so good. Well, then you have to invent the peeling machine. Yeah, or hire high school kids high for school. one day. Yeah, hire them is better because yeah. the machine isn't, doesn't employ anybody. But And inventing a machine is not, I have enough to do right now. I've yeah, got to engineer a machine. That's a, that's a nice way to yeah. get you to dislodge yourself from having to be in an ice cream shop at age 50 or 60. That's true. So you, that's I, true. I invented that machine. I don't work in the shops anymore. Um, I like to do the events with the truck because it takes a little bit more. Every event is going to be different and there's a lot of unpredictable stuff and it's fun to get out of the kitchen every now and then. But I'm mostly kind of behind the scenes, like handyman half the time and doing the office stuff badly half the other time. And then the 1% that's left over is, I don't even know what. But you you said you hired an assistant. You're doing less of the office stuff. I just, I did. She's starting toward the end of the month. Oh, she hasn't started yet. Not yet, yet, no. So there, as part of that syndrome... Mm -hmm. You're going to spend a lot of time training oh, on the boy. stuff that you're not good at. And she's never she's never done this before. She's one of our scoopers that wants to 
move on from doing food service. She's been doing a lot of food service for her whole career and she wants to tiptoe into other things. And she's just got a really great personality and patient and very detail oriented. And I, I trust her and she's dedicated and cares. So did but, you, did you read, did you have a separate email for her on what to expect? And uh, if you're, if you're not ready for this, don't do it. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a meeting with her last week and, um, kind of went over what this is going to entail. And it's like, you need to be able to be comfortable telling me, Chad, you can't go to lunch right now. You have a meeting in an hour, you know, and like keep on my ass about all these little things. Because I said the ADHD, I can get too many details and I'll let things slip, like ordering new labels for the pint containers or something like that. So I need somebody reminding me about that stuff. That's definitely part of her job. And it's going to take her a little bit of getting used to telling her boss what to do. But and I, it's going to take you some getting used to. Oh, I like it. I need I need somebody telling me what to do. And I'm sure you. I'm sure Ali is telling you that you need someone to do that. She's definitely told me I need somebody to do that. So what does my she, shop manager. What does your wife do? Oh, she runs a skincare company. She's been an esthetician for 20 years since she was like 20 years old, and uh, she's also an herbalist. And she went to herbal school, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And she just got completely burnt out from seeing clients. But over the years, she's learned so much about the skin and understands how it works. She has a line of skincare products that she sells through her website. And she's also begun wholesaling to other estheticians. And it's really kind of taken off. It's, and what's the website? It's called Heart of Gold is the name of the company. www.heartofgold.love pretty upscale stuff everything is l-o-v-e or l-u-v dot l-o-v-e wow that's a domain yeah they've got all these domains i've never heard of that domain there's all these awesome domains that you can get that aren't you need 50 licks that love too i'm fine with dot com it's all right i just want people to find us heartofgold.com was already taken so i suggested heartofgold dot and oh that was the marketing the the marketing side of chad she's better at that stuff than me is she yeah She's amazing. What else is she better at than you? Oh, boy. Um, she understands things. She's from other people's point of view. So she was the one who really, we went into the Burnside shop before it was open and we laid everything out on the floor with tape. Here's where the counter is going to be. Here's where the tables are. And we walked through and it's like, are you immediately drawn to this location? Is that where the register should be? Where is your eye going to fall for the menu board? All that stuff she Your understands. Your menu board is awesome, by the way. Thank you. I it's appreciate really it. Attra- it's really appealing and attractive. It's what comes to mind for me when I think of your shop is your menu board. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Well, there are a lot of good things there, too, but that's the one. Yeah, that- I appreciate that. It's important that people not be bewildered and confused. I, I've been to some ice cream shops where I walk in and truly my eyes don't know where to fall on first. And my, I'm looking, this is Sunday's way. Where does it say the sizes or the flavors? And we also have these little balls uh, we have these this model of these two wooden balls on dowels on a base that show the size of the scoops because I want people to be able to visualize what a classic size scoop and what a mini scoop mm-hmm. looks like. Um, and it's really helpful for people to uh, have that little thing there. I just want to try to make it as easy for the customers because they're there to have fun. They're not there to be like stressed out or, you know. Yeah, no, it's one yeah. of the most fun products you can do. We were talking about Ali. Do you... Um uh, both exchange ideas on your businesses all a lot. The time. Are, you, are you like you're, you're your own board of directors? No, all the time, all the time. Both from a technical standpoint with the process stuff, because she's making emulsions, she's using equipment to combine things and blend things and 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 extract aromas. 
and and stuff and we're doing the same thing so frequently she'll give us a suggestion for our process of how to do something more efficiently or i'll give her a suggestion and her knowledge of chemistry is crazy and i'm not so bad at it myself so um it's really fun and then recently she um like here, I made this new product. Smell this, and it was like a body butter, which is the only most of her stuff is for the face. Is the only thing for the body, and it's a yuzu shiso body butter that also has some tangerine oil and some vanilla in it. And I smelled it, and I'm like, this is a fifty licks flavor. <laughs> like I'm making this into a flavor. So we've got all the ingredients now to R and D with like shiso essential oil and and yuzu juice and everything to try. I to think you right. need then you need to have the complimentary. <laughs> Take home so you can smell like this ice cream. <laughs> when we first started dating, she wanted to do an ice cream facial where she would smear ice cream on her client's face. I'm like, please, that's not a good idea. I just thought that maybe that was just a dating suggestion. <laughs> oh, that could have been. It could have been. Maybe I missed out on some real fun uh, yeah, experiences. Exactly. So, um, have uh, have there ever has there ever been like a food fight at a Fifty Licks? Oh, that's a great. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. I've never seen anybody throw anything or anything like that. It's pretty calm. There's not too much too much drama. I'm not suggesting it. I just, you know, it's one of the things that do you, could, could do you, break out. Do you remember a few months ago, maybe it was a year ago, when Cat Williams, the comedian, was arrested at the airport for assaulting his limo driver? No. Well, that happened, and it made national news, and the first place he went after getting released from jail was 50 Licks. Wow. I didn't find out until a Did couple weeks later. Did the follow him? No, but I, I found out a couple weeks later that they that, that Cat Williams came in and he just got out of jail. And <laughs> What other famous people have been there? Um, we've served lots of people on movie and TV sets, so like anybody that may have ever been on Portlandia, everybody from Grimm, um, um, the... Uh, Josh Cantor, the amazingly adorable organist for the Red Sox, mm -hmm. uh, came through with a friend of mine. Um, oh, we just had a famous person recently. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. There's been, there's been a lot. There's been a whole lot. I wish I could remember more names, but there's definitely been a whole lot. Certainly yeah. all the Portland famous celebrities. But Do you uh, put them on social media? Lisa Schroeder, whenever anybody's down at, at Mother's, uh -huh. she manages to get them on. She's, uh, I don't want to mess with people and harass them. You know, like I, they're eating their I ice cream. I, yeah, wanna... I, I totally agree with you, but you, they're probably used to it. Maybe. But yeah, ice cream, you think they just want to be alone. Yeah. I oh, I just, so. uh, I just found out that um, Steve Malkmus from Pavement, the you know, singer-guitar player from Pavement, uh, lives around. Yeah, it's I'm too a old for that. 90s seminal, very important indie rock band, and okay. uh, he lives around the corner from the Burnside shop. And I've received word that he does visit from time to time. But my staff is too young to know who he is. So, <laughs> so do you? So you said you don't get out much. Do you have some chef friends that help you? Do you ever do like a chef's flavor? No, it hasn't. It hasn't happened really in a while. I can't remember the last time we did something like that. It's the the R and D process takes a very long time because we are meticulous about it, not just sounding good, but actually being perfect. Right. And we don't know how long that's going to take. And we've just found when we try to coordinate with people, it just takes way too long. And we did a thing with Alma chocolate, which was delicious, but it was maybe a little too high concept. It was like a uh, lemon basil with a chocolate ganache, and it didn't really sell very well. Um, I don't know. We just kind of do our thing. <laughs> we haven't been asked by too many chefs to do it, no. but it is just, it just adds a 
a large amount to the logistics? How do we get them in the room? And how many rounds of R&D do they really want to go it's through? It's really a big marketing thing. I mean, a lot of company, a lot of restaurants are doing it Yeah, they do a great job. And the times that we've done it, like we did um, Brandy Milk Punch, which was uh, Jeffrey Morgenthaler's recipe for Brandy yeah, Milk yeah, Punch. Nobody cared that his name was on it. Nobody, everybody was like, who? You know, well, it's just a different, it's not, I thought foodies were going to be our main demographic. It turns out our demographic is everybody. We're like, you know, is, does it not skew younger? I always feel like when I see people um, at your, it probably is, is younger. That your flagship store now. Do you call the it Burnside? I don't yeah, know. Burnside. Whatever. It's the Burnside. Or but that, it's, it feels like it's a little younger crowd. The Burnside crowd is a less educated food crowd than the Clinton Street crowd. Okay. Is. The Clinton Street crowd are neighborhood regulars primarily, and people who like know what they're getting into. The Burnside shop is a lot of tourists. It's a lot of people who just happen to be passing by. They went to the movie theater across the street. They ate at one of the restaurants on the block. They don't necessarily know what we're all about. It's a it's a less of an informed audience. So we get, I don't know, how do I? So to go to Clinton Street, you have to. It's basically a destination. It's a destination, or you're eating at Jacqueline next door, at Barasca across the street, or right. the sushi place, and you know so that neighborhood's yeah. built up. It's again. really great. Yeah, and I live in that building, so it's wonderful. I there's great. I just oh, had you a, don't want to tell people where you live. I live right behind it. You can knock on my door. Wow. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you want? What What would be your biggest nightmare if someone was knocking on your door? <laughs> that it would be my next door neighbor who owns the duck that lives next door to me. Oh, that's my biggest. Does I, that duck wake you up? The duck quacks. Well, my neighbor is pretty much nocturnal, and he is taking it upon himself to do all the gardening for the whole building. Mm -hmm. So he's got the leaf blower going at one in the morning, and he's got his duck outside of our door, like shitting right in front of our door and quacking super loud. And we laugh. Like if it was a dog, we'd be so annoyed. But because it's a duck, it's just hilarious. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Maybe that, that guy, was a neighbor strategy. But that guy might just murder us in our sleep at some point. He's a very strange guy. Well, yeah. Um, yeah so people can go look for the, listen for the cracking duck, duck be, behind the. If you see the two cats at the fifty licks, those are my cats, and they're both very sweet and friendly. Oh, so you're a cat person. Well, we both have cats. I don't know that I'd call myself a cat person. Well, versus a dog person. I don't, why do you have to just make a distinction? Well, some people have one over the other. Okay, here's my thing about dogs. I love dogs if they're somebody else's dogs. I can't handle a constant. I'm the opposite. I know. I know. <laughs> but like, you love your dogs like nobody I've ever seen before. Yeah, well, and I love other dogs, but it's really hard for me to have a close degree of love for other dogs when I have so much. That, yeah, right. but dogs, like sometimes I just want to be left alone and I don't want to have something that constantly needs my attention. Right. I You're also, a busy guy. Yeah, and I also don't want to be standing in the rain waiting for a dog to poop and then pick it up with my fingers inside of an inside-out bag and carry it with me until we get home. I, there, I have no argument on that, so I agree with you. Yeah. And that's not fun. But dogs are sweet and they're nice and I love them. They're great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and dogs love ice cream. I, we always give a little sample to a dog. We can't have any dogs in the shop. Right. People in Portland feel like it's okay to just bring their dogs into a place that if the health inspector walked in, we would get a fine. If somebody wrote a bad review on Yelp and said they let animals in here, right. we it would hurt our score. And they feel entitled to just bring their dogs in as though it's like, this is my living room or something. Well, there are a lot of entitled people. And it around. seems to be a trend in this city. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially with their dogs. Mm -hmm. So listen, I am... Um, this, uh, very happy that you, first of all, that you came in to join us. 
So it's a great opportunity to have you. But I'm so glad that I believe you're not putting on the, um, you know, you said before when you came last time, you were trying very hard to not let your everything that was going on inside of you show. Yeah. I don't think you're hiding anything right now. No, I think things are good. I think you can just generally see a lot of positive things emitting from you. I think you got a good assessment of it, yes. Well, it's easy. <laughs> you ha- you, you'd have to be a really good actor to have the energy that you have right now and not really feel it. So now I want to go back and listen to the other podcast. You can see my hear my voice quivering or something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I haven't. It's been a while. So yeah. we'll listen and we will reference it. So if people got this far, they're at the end, but we will have already referenced the number in the intro. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. It's always fun. Let's uh, come back when what? One quick question. Yeah, yeah. When we have you back in four years, where do you want? To, where do you want? Oh my God, I also uh, that. 50 licks to me. I, I worked at the Gateway Computers on Jansen Beach when I was like 22. Mm-hmm. And one time I answered the phone, Dell Computers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, it uh, I think we need, there's a couple things. Um, one, I don't want to spill too much of the beans because competitors can jump on it. But I think we need to expand outside of the Portland market. I can't have three months of profit and nine months of either breaking even or losing money. Mm-hmm. We got to go somewhere sunny. We are going to be exploring LA at the end of this summer to look for locations. I don't know what that means or how much money I'm going to need. Just I want to dip my toe in the water. That's but awesome. It's going to be hard to expand even more in Portland. And it's like for the for the money that it would cost to rent our GM up an apartment and fly him down twice a month, it more than makes up for it for having 12 months of good weather. Right. Okay. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, good luck with that. And I'm sure we'll see you elsewhere. Um, you know, uh, Proud Mary did a little bit expanding in Melbourne was, yeah, was not the same as opening up a whole new market. It's so funny. I ran into them in Austin when mm-hmm. I was saying I went yeah. to Franklin, I ran into them in Austin. My wife was at a show selling her products and they were there. Oh, you're from Portland. And I was like, Oh, you guys own Proud Mary. That's amazing. Yeah. So there's, yeah. Look for them down there. I don't think they're, I don't know if that's a secret, but. We, oh, don't are they? Lot, we don't have a lot of Austin listeners anyway. Oh, they're actively seeking uh, elsewhere. They okay. want to go elsewhere. Okay, but not necessarily Austin. Oh, probably uh, necessarily Austin. That's exciting. That's yeah. so great for them. So it's good. I'll have to learn from them how they do it being in multiple cities. I think there's something with, you know, you see Chef's Table bring in their multiple different restaurants elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Probably something that would be beneficial for all of you to just like bring Portland yeah. together. Right, so, or have like some pool of managers that we can trust each other down there. Exactly, yeah. and watch each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right